you're here, you're more than welcome to go back and listen to it on the podcast uh, platform or uh, the video on our Facebook page. But it was kind of the overview of how God uh, gets us in that process of growing. What we want to talk about this morning as we go kind of the second thing is, once we kind of get growing, there's something that's going to happen to almost all of us, and that is we're going to reach a point where we fail. We're, we're trying to grow. We believe in Jesus. We're wanting him to do great things. We go forward. Maybe there's some victories. Maybe there's a bunch of victories, but then we fail, and we get discouraged, and we get depressed about it, and sometimes that's the point at which we get off track. And this passage has some really interesting insight in how we deal with that moment when we're wondering about maybe God can't do anything else with us anymore. Maybe God isn't going to get us to where we need to be. And we want to unpack this, these two verses uh, very closely. What I want to concentrate on, we're going to come back to the several points in the sermon, is there's some really interesting uh, transition words where he's kind of ending one thought and then goes to the next thought. And we're going to find as we get in here, as we pay attention to the therefores and the rathers, that it gives us a lot of insight into what exactly Paul is teaching us as to how we handle those moments when we fail and we don't feel like God can do anything with us anymore. If you're visiting with us, there's a sermon outline in your uh, bulletin. You're welcome to, to follow along there as we, uh, as we dig into the Word of God together. I'm going to ask five questions. This is basically when we don't feel good enough anymore. We don't feel like God can do anything with us. I'm going to ask five questions and answer them, and they're progressive, kind of building on each other so that we can hopefully understand what exactly God is up to in those moments. The first question is this, how does God give us the chance to make a difference? How does God give us the chance to make a difference? And the answer is the power of the Spirit to transform us. The power of the Spirit to transform us. So we understand that God desires, when, I, when I'm talking here, and I, I use the phrase there, to make a difference. I'm not talking about something small, but rather that we live a life of impact, that through what God is doing in us, that we go forward and we're able to do great things for God. We live a life that makes a difference in the kingdom of God and that God receives glory from our lives. As we look at the first half of verse 4, there's three things I want to look at before hopping back a couple verses. Verse 1 of chapter 4 says, Therefore, since through God's mercy we have this ministry. Let's pause for a second there. So the first thing we want to concentrate on is the last thing in that little phrase there. We have this ministry. So every Christian, not just the person who we call the minister, not just the deacon, but every person is to have a ministry. And by that, what Paul means here is that we're, we're making a difference in people's lives. Not only are we ourselves to change to become more like Christ, but we are to impact our family, our neighbors, our co-workers. We are to have a ministry, and each of us have different spiritual gifts. Some of us have the gift of mercy. Some of us have the gift of preaching. Some of us, we, we all have different gifts, so there's different ways we're going to impact. But God wants each of our lives to have an impact on those around us in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen? And so we understand that, and so we have this ministry, all of us, every person God wants to make an impact through. So we go before that. Okay, so I have that ministry. How did it come into my life? Is it because I'm really talented? Is it because I have a lot of skills? Is it because I feel like I bring a lot to the table? What is it that I am able to, to why is it that I'm able to have that ministry? Well, it says, since through God's mercy, we have this ministry. So 
my ministry is not because I have a bunch of talent, if I think I do, or because I feel like I bring a ton to the table, but rather we go back to the beginning of our salvation. When I came to Jesus Christ, I did not come because I was a good person. I knew I wasn't a good person. I come and I'm safe. He brings mercy into my life. He begins to do things that I don't deserve, which is the definition of mercy. As he brings that in, I'm able to go forward. I'm able to be saved by the mercy of God and the grace of God. And I'm able to start ministering by the grace and mercy of God. He's doing things in my life, not because I deserve him to do that, but rather because he's being merciful to me and using me in ways that I don't deserve. And then as we go forward, we continue to minister. We continue, even after you've been a preacher for 25 years, even after you've been doing things for, for whatever the length of time is, as we go forward, it's not that, okay, at first God did it because God worked through me because of his mercy, but now I deserve it. I've been a pastor for 20 plus years. Now I deserve it. No, it's still by his mercy, isn't it? It's still by him being generous to me. And so it is through God's mercy that we have that ministry. And it's really important for us to understand this because to go back to what we talked about a second ago, when we have this moment of failure, we start out wanting to make a difference for God and wanting to become more like Him, and then we have a moment of failure. If, if everything that God is doing in my life relies on the fact that I deserved it, that I was worthy of it, then when I fail, I'm disqualified. But if it started by mercy, and if it's continued by mercy, and if there's a way for me to go and get more mercy, then you know what? There's a way forward, isn't it? And so as we go forward, we then see at the beginning of verse 1, it says, therefore. So that's an important, I said we were going to talk about the, the transitional phrases because they're really important in this particular section. So therefore takes us to what? The verses before that. So let's go back to read verses 17 and 18 in the chapter before that. So 3.17 says this, <clears throat> Now the Lord is spirit, and, we're, and he's talking about the Holy Spirit there, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Listen to verse 18, this is amazing. And we all, with unveiled faces, contemplate the Lord's glory, are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the spirit. So we are being transformed to be more and more like God, to be more and more like Christ. We are transformed, being transformed into His image with ever-increasing glory. As I grow to become more and more like God and more and more like Jesus, I have more and more of the glory of God in my life. I'm reflecting more and more of the glory of God in my life. And what does the end of that verse say? Which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. What allows that to happen in my life? Me to become more like God, me to become more like Christ. It is the power of the Holy Spirit within my heart. Amen? And so we have the Holy Spirit within our hearts. He's causing that to happen. And so as we understand that, we recognize it's God working in us and not what we deserve that is causing that. Which leads us to the second thing. The second question is this. Why don't we lose heart? Why don't we lose heart? And the answer is, his mercy opened up something this impressive in us. His mercy opened up something this impressive in us. So let's continue in verse 1. Therefore, since through God's mercy we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. Let's pause there. So he's not saying, listen, you are never going to lose heart. You're going to, as you walk with Jesus, it's all going to be smooth sailing. You're never going to get discouraged. 
You're never going to get depressed. You're never going to feel like dropping out. It, you're never going to lose heart. That's not what he's saying here. He's saying we don't have to lose heart. When we are doing things the way, and we're going to talk in a minute about how we do that, when we are doing things the way that God wants us to, we're, we're handling our failures and our shortcomings the way that he wants us to, there is no reason for us to lose heart. And so we read that there. Therefore, since through God's mercy we have this ministry, we don't have any reason to lose heart. We don't have any reason to, to falter and to fail and to give up. Now, this is really encouraging if, and you know, maybe this morning your entire Christian life has been victory after victory after victory. Maybe it, it's been smooth sailing the whole way. But for those of us this morning, and I'll raise my hand and put myself in this category, for those of us that have messed up, you know, we, we, we said we weren't going to, we weren't going to do that anymore, and then we fell back into our sin. We thought we were going to do something great for God, and then it was just a miserable wreck. For all of us that have tried to step out and continue, and then we failed. And in that failure, we just thought, you know what, forget it. God can't do anything with me. And we lose heart. We, we want to give up. We get depressed and discouraged, and we just kind of want to walk away. What he is going to tell us in the verses to come, and we're going to get into that in just a second, is truth that helps us to be able to know that we never have to say, I, I, I've just lost heart, I, I'm giving up, I don't have any reason to go forward. As the way, in the way that God is planting and in the way that Jesus has laid things out, there is encouragement for us in that moment of struggle, in that moment of difficulty, to know that we don't have to lose heart, but rather he's made a way for us to go forward. So if you're here this morning and your life is 100% where it needs to be in Jesus, then just remember these truths for when you're going to need a little bit down the road. But for all of us that aren't quite where we need to be, we're, are, maybe we're giving into sin a little more than we should. Maybe we're not stepping out the way that we should. What does he have to say here in the verses that follow that help us to be able to handle those situations where we feel like losing heart? All right, so three, four, and five. Questions three, four, and five will help us to understand this. So, what about when I don't feel worthy? So, as I'm in that situation, I have started out good for God, then I messed up, I'm discouraged, I feel like losing heart in that moment. How, how do I deal with that? What exactly does the verse that follow help me when I don't feel worthy of Him doing anything else in my life anymore? I don't feel worthy of Him continuing to work in my life. The next verse is really important there. The answer to number three is this. Don't keep secrets, but embrace God's transforming mercy. Don't keep secrets, but embrace God's transforming mercy. <laughs> All right, here's another transition word, and this is important. Verse 2 says, Rather we have renounced secret and shameful ways. Now, what does that have to do with what we were just talking about? Well, here's what it has to do with. So, let's talk about the typical situation. We've started out on fire for God, we go good for a while, then we fail. What is the response? What's our natural response when we fail? I'll tell you what my natural response is. So, let's use sin, for instance, since we're talking about sinning less. I've been going good for God, and then I fall back into that sin that was maybe the, the worst sin I was struggling with. I was doing good with, with that for a while, maybe for a couple months, and then I fall back into it. How do I feel? How do I want to respond to that moment? When I have sinned, what do I want to do? I want to run away and hide from God, don't I? I, I want to get away from Him because I feel 
like, I, God, I messed up again. I can't believe I did that. And so we feel bad, and so we want to get away from God. We want to run away from Him because we've messed up. But what does He say? Rather, we have renounced secret and shameful ways. Those two adjectives are the perfect two adjectives for what we're talking about here. Secret and shameful. I sin. I'm a Christian. I walk forward. I'm doing good. I mess up. What are the two ways I respond to that? Number one is secrecy. I don't want anybody to know. I'm going to keep it hidden within me, and I don't want anybody to know about that. And the second thing is shame. I feel shame about it. I'm like, you know, I, I, I don't know why I keep messing up like that. And so I run away from God and want to hide from Him because I've messed up in that way. But notice what it says there. Rather, we have renounced secret and shameful ways. So our natural inclination, which is to keep it a secret and to be ashamed of it and just kind of live in that shame, our natural response is wrong. Why? Because it says we've renounced that. As Christians, I'm not going to do it that way anymore. Look at the word that is the transition. We need to talk about why that's there. He says, rather. So let's go back to verse 1, because it's a transition. Therefore, since through God's mercy we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. Rather, we have renounced secret and shameful ways. You see how those two come together? So our temptation in that moment is to feel shame and to want to keep it a secret. But instead, we go back to what he says in verse 1, which is a reminder to us that everything that came into our lives came by what? God's mercy. And so when I'm in that moment, and I understand it wasn't because I was a great person, it wasn't because I had a lot of talent, but rather it was the mercy of God flowing through me, and that is why I have this ministry. And so therefore, uh, when I'm in a moment when I fall, I don't say, well, you know, I'm disqualified. That's it. I'm done. It was a nice run. I did some good for God, but now I'm out because I, I, I'm, I'm not worthy anymore. No, I don't do that at all. And, and I don't run off and, and keep my sin a secret and, and feel ashamed of it. We don't run from God in that moment. We run to God. Why? Because what does it say there? Since through God's mercy. God's mercy is me coming before Him saying, I messed up. I need your help. That's what happened when I got saved. I needed God's mercy. And that's also what happens when I mess up. I run to God and I say, God, I messed up. I need your mercy. Will you forgive me again and help me to get back on track? And so in that moment when we're getting discouraged, we don't run away and hide, but rather we recognize that it all came to us through God's mercy. We go back to Him. We go to the Father and say, Father, I've messed up. I'm not going to keep this a secret from you and pretend like you don't know. I'm not going to be ashamed of it in the sense of holding on to it, but rather I'm going to come and I'm going to confess it. I messed up. I sinned. I'm sorry. Will you give me your mercy once again and help me to move forward? You see how that's a completely different response? I'm, I'm not going to ask for a um, not going to ask for a show of hands. But here's why what I'm talking about now is really important. If I ask for a show of hands this morning, I'm betting every single one of us knows somebody who came to church, received Christ, on fire for God, serving in the church, and then, and maybe we don't know why, maybe it was a sin, maybe it was God, I, and then something happened. And they quit coming to church, and they quit serving Jesus, and they don't read the Bible anymore, and they don't have any reason for God to be in their lives. And this moment when we could lose heart, 
this moment when we get discouraged. It's really important that we understand how to respond there because every single one of us today could probably name somebody who handled that moment wrong. And they've been out of church for 10 years now. They've been walking away from God for 15 years now. And we're in danger of it too. If we come to that moment when we fail, if we don't know how to respond to it, if we keep the secret, if we keep the shame and hold on to that, instead of going to God and confessing it, we too may get off track. And so we need to understand that he's saying here, it's all from God's mercy, and therefore we need to, in that moment, not be full of shame and secrecy, but instead come to God and ask for more mercy. Now, where does that lead us? Well, <laughs> where that leads us next is asking whether we're just trying to make ourselves feel better. All right, so Jim, I hear what you're saying, and I get that idea, but like, is this just something where, you know, in that moment I've messed up again, and we're just trying to, you know, put some lipstick on a pig and, and try to, you know, ease my conscience somehow? No, look at what's next. Let me give you the statement, and then we'll look at what's next. So, am I, are we just, just trying to make ourselves feel better? And the answer is, this works because it's based on honesty and truth. This works because it's based on honesty and truth. So we continue down through there. Verse 2 says, rather we have renounced secret and shameful ways. Then look at what he says. We do not use deception, nor do we distort the word of God. When we have that moment, we respond to it not by hiding but we respond to it by being honest about where we're at. Let's talk about those two things, deception and distortion. So what would deception look like? Um, let's say that in that moment when I fail, in that moment when I falter, I, I want to try to pretend like I, I'm, I'm kind of okay and keep it a secret, but behind the scenes I know that I've messed up. That's deception. I, I'm acting one way publicly, but I'm another way privately. That's not what we do. How do we respond to that? God, I messed up. And if anybody asks me, I, you know, I messed up, I failed, I, I faltered, I, 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 I fell short of the glory of God, but I've asked for forgiveness and God is now getting me back off track. It's, it's an approach that is an approach of honesty and truth. We need to come back again and again to the fact, sometimes we want to just show up and have that image. We'll talk more about that in a second. I'm a sinner. You're a sinner. And there's going to be moments when we sin. And the response to that is not trying to keep up a good image. The response to that is, you know what? I'm a sinner. And I'm going to be honest about it and admit that I failed and not use, as it says there, not use deception. I'm going to admit in that moment that I've fallen short. And then also it says, nor do we distort the Word of God. We understand what this book says and that it offers us forgiveness, that it offers us the opportunity to be changed, and so we're not making something up and saying, well, I'm just going to say that I'm okay and keep going. No, we understand it takes repentance and a change of heart, and then we move forward in God through what Jesus has done in us. And so we need to understand we're not distorting the Word of God, we're not making something up, but rather, rather we're receiving the way that He said to do things. We start by mercy, we move forward by mercy. When we fail, we ask for more mercy, and we continue to move forward. And so, in this moment, we're not making some truth up, but rather we're being honest and we're receiving what Jesus has done for us. Okay, I hear you, Jim, but 
if I admit that I've failed like that, if I admit that I falter like that, isn't that going to cause everybody around me to look at me and be like, he's a terrible Christian? Isn't it going to hurt my witness? That's the last thing we want to talk about. And verse, the next verse is really, or the continuation of that verse, rather, of verse 2, brings us a really interesting truth. Does this hurt our witness? And the answer is not at all, because this has the smell of authenticity. Not at all, because this has the smell of authenticity. What he has to say here is really interesting as he continues on down through there. So, again, we're going to talk about the, the, the transition phrases. So, verse 2 starts, Rather we have renounced secret and shameful ways. We do not use deception, nor do we d- distort the truth of God. On the contrary. So he's setting up a contrast. We don't do it those ways. Those are the natural ways that we would do it. We're not doing it that way. Instead, we're doing it another way. And what's the consequence of that? And he says specifically here, this is the consequence in relation to the way that it will impact the people around us. Look at what he says here. This is um, stunning. On the contrast, by setting forth the truth plainly, we commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. All right, we need to unpack that. So let's first talk about uh, by setting forth the truth plainly. Here he's not talking about just preaching the Bible, although the Bible, it's always a good thing to preach the Bible. Instead, what he's saying is how we handle these situations. So I, I started out, I ended up faltering and failing, I messed up. How am I going to handle that situation? By setting forth the truth plainly. So in that moment, as I have faltered and failed, I'm going to set forth the truth plainly. And what I mean by that is, rather than trying to hide, rather than trying to distort, rather than trying to pretend like there's nothing there, instead, I'm going to handle it honestly. I'm a sinner, I messed up, I asked for God's mercy so that I can move forward. Now, as we think about that, for a lot of us, we think, okay, that's going to, as I said a moment ago, destroy my witness. But look at what he said. By setting forth the truth plainly about our lives, honesty, acknowledging we've fallen short, listen to what he says happens. This is mind-blowing. We commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. What does that mean? All right, let's talk about it. So, let's say that, let's use two different scenarios. One is one where I'm doing it the natural way. I've messed up, but I pretend like everything's great. I pretend like I don't have any problems. Say I go down to Kroger, and I run into a friend of mine who is unsafe. Let's, let's just pick an example. Um, let's say uh, the faltering failing is that within my marriage, uh, rather than being a kind and patient person, I've been really angry. And, and when, when my wife does stuff that really doesn't amount to a hill of beans, I blow up at her. So I failed. The first way to handle it, the wrong way, is I pretend publicly like I'm great and I keep that secret and don't let anybody know and I don't change it and I don't ask for God's mercy. So I go out and I run into a friend of mine. Now she knows I'm a preacher. So I run into a friend of mine at Kroger and we get to talking. And when we're kind of talking, I'm putting up an image. My life is great. Everything's wonderful. I'm living at the foot of the cross. My life is perfect. My kids are awesome. My marriage is awesome. My, my work life is awesome. Everything's great. She brings up a struggle in her marriage. 
she brings up that they're getting, they're, she's, they're talking about divorce. And in that moment, I continued to keep it a secret. I continue to lay out, man, that's too bad, and, and make it very clear that my life is perfect. My life is great. Everything is awesome. And in that, not only does she get discouraged because I wasn't really sympathetic, but also she thinks, I guess I can never be a Christian because Christians are people that have their whole life together. Christians are people that have everything going perfectly, and I'm an imperfect person whose life is a mess and I'm about to go through a divorce, so I guess God doesn't have anything for people like me. I've left her feeling like I'm a great, perfect person, and you're not. If I handled another way, if we're having this conversation, and let's say, instead of handling it the way I talked about before, I've messed up, I've, I've been angry in my marriage when I shouldn't be, but instead of pretending like I was okay, I recognized my sin, I went before God, asked for God's mercy there, asked Him to help me do better, went to my wife and apologized and said, I want to do better on that, and then I began to grow out of that, trying to be less angry, trying to have more patience. So I've been through that struggle, and the mercy of God has helped me to move another level. So I meet this friend of mine at Kroger. She's talking about her divorce in that situation. Instead of me saying, man, it's too bad, but you know, you know, I, I'm glad my marriage is awesome. Instead, in that moment, I'm honest with her. And I say, you know what? Um, you know, I've had some struggles too. And I know marriage isn't easy. Um, but you know, as a Christian, one of the things I've found is that when I struggle, and, and, and I've had struggles in my marriages too. I, I had a little issue with anger. And I recognized I wasn't where I needed to be. And so I, I went to God and asked Him for help. And His mercy and the power of the Spirit in my life enabled me to be able to get past that. And I struggled too, but God helped me to get where I needed to go. Do you see the difference? In that moment, she's not discouraged and thinking, well, I can never be a Christian, I can never know God. But she sees, you know what, He's just like me. He's got struggles in his marriage, just like I have struggles in his marriage. And God helped him. Maybe God could help me too. Let's go back to this verse. On the contrary, by setting forth the truth plainly, pause, that's what I just did in that scenario. I set forth the truth plainly to her. I struggle too. I need God's mercy too. I messed up too. But God's mercy and the power of the Spirit got me past that. I set the truth forth plainly to her and was honest rather than lying and using deception. On the contrary, by setting forth the, the truth plainly, we commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. What does that mean? In that moment when I was pretending like I was somebody great and I really wasn't, she walks away. She knows I'm not perfect, but she knows I'm pretending to be, and so she walks away thinking, I guess he's just a hypocrite pretending like he knows everything. On the other hand, when I acknowledge my sin, and when I admit that I've fallen short, but that God helped me over it, that is, as I do that, it commends me to her conscience. You know what? What he said echoes with my conscience. I know he's not perfect, and he admitted he's not perfect, but God helped him through that. The mercy of God enabled him to overcome that. And so that resonates with my conscience. That's the way my life is, too. I know that I've fallen short, and man, I wish I had God to help me. And so 
her conscience is, my, what I've done is commended to her conscience because it echoes this truth in her conscience. That sounds like the way that I am too. I fall short and I need help too. And so to go back to the phrase there, we said, it has the smell of authenticity. One of the problems we have in the church today is that oftentimes, not only in church but outside of church, we act like we have our acts together. We act like we don't have any problems. We act like everything is great. And so those outside the church look at us and say, I guess I don't have any, I guess there's no point on me going to church because I don't have my act together. We need to understand, we need to preach, we need to live out. We are not people who have everything all together and our lives are perfect. We are sinners saved by the grace of God. We are people who have received the mercy of God and He has made the change in our lives to enable us to go forward and to be able to do what we want to do. And as we do that, it's not because of how great we are, it's because of how great His mercy is in getting us to where He wants us to be. So as we add all this up this morning, here's what we need to understand. We start out by God's mercy, we walk forward in those moments when we're struggling. And if you're there this morning, don't run away from God. Don't pretend like it's all okay. Don't keep it a secret from Him as though you can. But instead, recognize that you again, just like when you were saved, you need God's mercy. Go to Him, not away from Him. And as you do that, you're not going to be lying. You're going to be very honest. You're going to receive what the Word of God says. You're going to throw yourself at His feet and say, I need your mercy once again. He will then empower you because of that repentance through the power of the Holy Spirit to be able to move forward. And as you live that life out of honesty in doing all those things, those around you will not be pushed away from God because you're somebody that admits that you mess up sometimes, but rather they will be drawn toward God because the testimony of your life as being somebody who struggles but who God helps will commend itself to them because that's what they need also. We need to make sure in that moment we don't get off track by pretending to have it all together, by refusing to repent, by acting like it was by our, our ability in the first place. We need in that moment to go back to God, admit our failures, and ask for His mercy, and then go forward in the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Father, I thank you this morning that it's not by our ability. I thank you this morning it's not by our righteousness. But I thank you that you offer mercy all the way along the way. And I pray this morning that we might understand that and see our need when we have faltered to run to you to be forgiven, to receive your mercy again, and then walk forward. I pray in Jesus' name.